0: So you've plopped down on the couch. It's been a long week. You're tired, ragged. But it's the weekend now and you've got a, you know a few brief moments to yourself, and so you're settled into something to watch or maybe a home project or some hobby that you like when you hear the sound.) Zzz, zzz. And you pat your thigh because that's normally where your phone is, but it's not there. It's over on the table. And so you kind of, you lurch to go grab it, but then you sigh and you think, do I, do I really have to go answer that? Or maybe you even pick it up and you, you look who it is who's calling and you think, oh, jeez, do I, do I really have to answer this right now? Can you relate to that? I know I can. But I also know that I'm a millennial, and apparently millennials are known for being kind of unreliable, uh, you know, for staying at a job or in a community or answering phone calls. My generation feared the phone call. Uh, but the other day, uh, I called a, a really close friend of mine. Uh, with no agenda, I just wanted to, to pop in and see how he was doing And he answered the phone, and we had a great conversation. And you know what he said to me at the very end of it? He said, you know, man, I really should pick up these phone calls more often. Like, sometimes I see people calling, and I just don't want to bother. He said, I feel really good after I have a, a conversation with an old friend. That Word of God. That's the Word of God. It's, it's like a phone call. Now, <laughs> your Bible probably hasn't uh, uh, buzzed on the kitchen uh, table. Or if it did, you'd be like, this is really urgent. I should probably take this one. Uh, <laughs> but these scriptures are God's way of calling us. It's, it's His phone call. His way to to check in. He's calling you. Did you know that? Did you know that your God is that personal? That's what we heard in our text from uh, the Gospel of John. John starts his Gospel by kind of doing another creation account, kind of like a Genesis. Except in the book of Genesis, you won't find the name Jesus anywhere. But John connects Genesis to Jesus. John has kind of the, the radical audacity to say that the guy that he spent his life following, the guy that he watched preach and teach and heal, the guy that he saw put on a cross, but then emerge from a tomb, that that Jesus was the Word. The word that God spoke. Jesus was that, that the thing that, that everything in creation came from. That word that God uttered in the beginning. He's, he is the logic behind everything that runs in the universe. Which is why John uses the word, a logos. Uh, we see it as the word word <laughs> when we read our English translations. But John's using the word word. Logos there. Jesus is the logic, the logic of creation. He's how it came into existence. And so he is is wrapped up in all things. That's why the youth gathering this summer that a bunch of youth from this congregation are going to go down to Texas to is called in all things. Because Jesus is in all things. Even in all of your things. Even in all of your things life? Did you know he was that personally involved? But here's the trick, right? That's not obvious. It's likely not obvious when you step into Monday that that you're going to see Jesus everywhere you look. Or if you hear the media and the news cycle report another tragedy, it's probably not obvious that Jesus is actually reigning above all things, that He's actually sovereign. He's in control, not only of all things, but of your life. But it's not obvious. And maybe that's most uh, acutely painful when something happens in our life, uh, some fall, some trouble, some distress. And you wonder, where on the earth is Jesus? It's not obvious when we look out there, but there's a reason for that. God, in His infinite wisdom that's far above mine, He determined that the way He would personally reveal Himself is in His Word. You can look at nature and see some attributes of God. You can see his strength. You can look at the, the planets and see his infinite nature. But you're likely not going to stumble over Jesus out in the world. Now, don't get me wrong. He is out there. But if you want to see him, it's, you need those, like, bifocal things from uh, National Treasure. You know, they find him in the brick, and they got, like, the thing, and it reveals the map. That's what this is. This helps you see Jesus out there, discover all that He is doing, not only out there, but also in your life. So how do we tap into this thing? We're going to get to that in, in a minute. We'll talk about the practical practicals, but first, I just want to establish some ground rules uh, uh, for this getting in the word. Hopefully you have an insert from your bulletin. Uh, uh, you should have received it there this morning. If not, there's a giant stack in the back that you can take one on your way out. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I want to set up some ground rules because I think many of us in this room have probably experienced this idea of getting into the Word or uh, being in Scripture as something we should be doing. Something that's supposed to be happening, and it's not and we carry guilt from that right maybe maybe we even feel like some of the bad stuff that's happened in our life has happened because we haven't been reading God's word as some sort of punishment from God let me tell you right up front you are not required to read God's word you're not required to And you're especially not required to read his word to earn his favor. You already have that. You have God's favor because of what that man did, the man who is this logic of the universe, because his death and resurrection. God already favors you and already gives you his blessing. You're fully loved on account of Christ. No strength of our prayers, or consistency in our Bible reading plans, brings that to us. Jesus brings that to us. Well, so you might be wondering, okay, pastor, if that's the case, then why should I read my Bible at all? I mean, life's already pretty busy. Uh, I don't know if I really have time to add this extra thing. In. Should I just get my God fill on Sundays? Uh, to which I would respond, well, friend, how, how is it going out there? Actually, is life easy? Are you feeling prosperous? Are you feeling satisfied in life? Or is there kind of a dull ache, something missing? I met a fella uh, last weekend down in St. Louis where I lost my voice. Sorry if I sound a little raspy today. Uh, this guy was a bartender, uh, no, excuse me, he was the bouncer at the bar uh, uh, that we went to after the wedding uh, that I attended, and I asked this bouncer about his life, and he was telling me, you know, I mean, this guy, uh in his 20s, young guy, he's got a really flexible flexible job, you know, sees the nightlife, he's not tied down by any woman, which he made very explicit to me, uh, his, his love life is actually quite the opposite, and if you didn't look closely or pay attention, I and mean, given kind of the smile that accompanied what he was saying, you might think that he was perfectly content, but there was something in that far off look in his eyes that betrayed that, and so I just asked him, I said, are you satisfied? And I got to give credit to the guy because he was honest, and he said, no, not really, And then he went on kind of in that same sort of energetic uh, 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 phraseology and rhetoric to tell me why it was still good that he was doing what he was doing or why he wanted to be doing what he was doing, almost as if to convince himself, right? But you see the thing, right? He's not satisfied in his life. And I think if we're honest with our own lives, there's some part of it that We're not satisfied either, or we're frustrated, or anxious, or worried. Why should I read the Bible? Well, it goes back to to some of those ground rules, what it is and what it isn't. We don't read the Bible to earn God's favor. It's not something we have to do, but it is something we can do. It is a gift that God has given us a chance to, to spend some time hanging out with God, who is peace and love incarnate. And you know you take on the qualities of the people you hang out with. Right? If Jesus is the logic of the universe, if He is holding all things together, even our lives together, then he knows some stuff that could really help us out. <laughs> if mean, he's got some wisdom that we haven't acquired in our short time on this earth. And I'm not just speaking as the young guy in the room. We've been here for a blip. He's been here for thousands of years. He can help us. And wasn't that what Psalm 1 was telling us? Uh, Look again. It's actually printed on your half sheet. It's the third one down uh, with the key verses about God's Word. It says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, pause there for a second. That word law, see, that's a trigger word for me. Don't hear that as the demands of God or the commands of God. That's the Hebrew word Torah, and it simply means instruction, right? It's good good advice and wisdom that God has to give. In fact, that word can actually be broadened out to mean story. Really, it's the first five books of the Old Testament. So if you lived in Old Testament times, like the Torah... Was like your version of the story, you know, like we just read. So know God's story, know your place in it, how it connects to your life, and you're gonna start to see this this blessing. You're gonna you're gonna see through the bifocals. You're gonna start to to realize where God is in your walk, in your day-to-day, out there in the world. And what's the result? The psalmist goes on, you're going to be like a tree. What a beautiful image that is. Strong, sturdy, a a gift to those around you, right? You can provide shade and fruit. And it's not just that you're enduring the elements, but you're actually alive, right? You're You're not out there withering, you're not out there just beat down and downtrodden. There's actually a vitality to you. You, you don't kill conversations. You spark them. You don't, uh, 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 your posture isn't sagging. It's, it's vibrant. I mean, just look out at the trees, right? What's their posture? Limbs <laughs> up. Strong, sturdy. And all that he does, He prospers. But I think what I love most about this image is that it reminds us again of how God works. It's not us, remember? Just consider the verb that the psalmist uses. He is like a tree planted. That's a passive verb. You don't plant yourself. But God's Word, it works its way into you like a seed. And it sprouts. And it grows, and it produces the fruit. God gives you living water, puts you by streams. He supplies it, and He works through it to bring out this abundance and this vitality in your life. This is what Jesus came to bring. This is why we say we're alive in Christ, because Jesus came to bring life and life abundantly and to give it to us. So how do we actually do this? Let's get practical. How do we treasure the Word? Uh, I'm going to give you four ways today, and I'm going to go from hardest to easiest. You can actually flip uh, the back side of your half sheet. It's got them outlined as well. And remember, these are not rules. <laughs> this is not a command for you to go and do all of these. Don't even try to do all of these. That would be a lot, I think. Just pick what works for you. It's your relationship with God. So, so find what fits into your life. And, and maybe that fitting does require some edging out of something else. I mean, time is finite. We can't do everything. We can't watch all the Netflix shows as much as uh, we try to. Uh, but find what works for you. First one, hardest first. Read the Bible. All right, that actually, in my opinion, is the hardest one okay? Because this is a book, a compilation of books really, that's been written by several authors of several different cultures over thousands of years. That's hard to tap into. I, I presume you're probably not a biblical scholar, right? Aaron and I have four years of specialized training in reading this book, but if you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, I get to the genealogies or some sort of goofy, you know, I just don't even know what to think, That's normal. It's hard to read. But maybe it's for you. Maybe you do like getting in the Word. And if you do have questions, please use us as resources. Aaron and I, we're happy to help try to answer some of the questions, but we haven't figured it out either yet. Um, We actually have a bunch of resources for you as well at copperluth.org slash disciplines, Uh, different Bibles that we utilize, uh, different uh, Bible apps that you might find useful, Uh, So please check those out as well. So read the Bible. That's one option. Uh, Easier option would be uh, read a devotional. Uh, Devotionals are great because they give you context for the scriptures that you're encountering. Uh, They'll help you apply them. They'll give you thoughtful prompts. Uh, And we have some available for you on the desk on your way out. There's something called portals of prayer. Uh, Those change seasonally, and you can pick up one on your way out. They kind of rotate in with the seasons, and those are free to you. Uh, So if you want an easier step into God's Word, I'll pick up a portal's a prayer. Uh, Max Lucado is listed there as well. He's an incredibly easy author to read. Uh, I recommend him highly. A number of our life groups here at St. Peter and Paul have used uh, his materials and have found them uh, to be very good. Uh, I have a number of his books in my office. If you want one, just ask me. You can borrow one. Uh, check out Max Lucado. But one other book I picked up recently uh, is this book. Uh, it's called Ragged. And I really like this book for a number of reasons. One, uh, it's written by a woman, and she's a mother with young kids, so she gets that life is really hard and full and busy, and she knows what it's like to feel ragged, right? So If you feel ragged, if you feel like there's just no time, just take a few paragraphs at a time of, of Gretchen's work here. Actually... At least get to the seventh paragraph of the foreword, okay? The first six paragraphs, to me, excruciating. The seventh paragraph was a cup of cool water, all right? So get to the seventh paragraph if you read this. In fact, I like this book so much as I read the foreword that if you're a guest or visitor, there's five copies on that same desk on your way out. Please take one if you'd like it. If you're a member, uh, we got the link again at that same copperluth.org slash resources, and if the, the cost is an issue, just talk to me. I'd be happy to, to supply you if you're interested. All right, so read God's Word. If that seems challenging, try a devotional. That's an easier step in. Uh, even easier option would be podcasts, because uh, then you don't have to read. You just listen. Someone else reads for you. Um, There's actually a podcast that's listed on there called The Daily Pattern. Uh, That one I started listening to right at the beginning of the pandemic. Ten minutes. I'd listen to it on my commute to and from work. And uh, it was transformational for me in my spiritual walk. It slowed me down. And I think part of it was, it's a daily thing. I drive to work every day. And so just having that chunk of time every day really help me start to see Jesus out there, Jesus in my life. And that sounds probably weird. Come from a pastor, you would think I would have all this like mastered already. I don't. I'm just like you. I'm trying to adopt it. So maybe a podcast is your step in. The final one, which I don't have listed and I'm not going to spend hardly any time on, because we're going to devote an entire Sunday to it, is memorizing Scripture. And maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, you said hardest to easiest. This should be the easiest one, right? Memorizing. I really think memorizing might be the most efficient use of your time in God's Word. Uh, We read Hebrews. It's on the sheet as well. God's Word is living and active. That simple act of reading God's Word slowly, slow enough that you start to memorize it, That word will start to come into you. It'll start to shape how you view the world, how you view yourself. Start with Psalm 23. You probably know half of it already. Memorize it and let that be your mantra day after day, and just watch what God does with it. But we'll talk about uh, memorization more uh, in a few weeks. So, your phone's ringing. What makes a difference whether you you pick up or not? And think about that. I was uh, in the office with Judy Fenske for one of the last times. I'm going to miss you, Judy. And uh, we were having a nice conversation, and all of a sudden her phone rang, and she picked it up, and she growled, if you can believe it. Uh, It was a telemarketer, right? No one wants to answer the call of a telemarketer Who do we pick up for? We pick up for our loved ones. We pick up for our friends, our spouses, our kids, people who we hold dear and who love us because they're not trying to get anything out of us. God is not a telemarketer. God is not trying to get anything out of you. Let me say that again. God is not trying to get anything out of you. He doesn't need anything from you. He's God, remember? But he has unlimited wealth that he wants to give you. So, the phone's ringing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are as our God, a God who treasures us and loves us so much that you would give your own son so that we could actually know what love is. God, uh, I just pray for everyone in this room, myself included, that you would help us shirk off whatever baggage we hold in in this spiritual discipline of getting into your word, and that we would find uh, just whatever step in uh, works for us so that we could hear your word, uh, so that we could hear your love for us, so that we could learn who you are and then start to become like you as you form us by your word. So be with us, Father, as we we try to walk this road. We try to follow you uh, and try always to just welcome uh, your love into our life, your grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen.